Welcome to the Special Delivery Podcast. I'm your host, Special, and on this show, I like to do one of two things. Either I'm highlighting brand new music that's dropped, or I'm sitting down with artists to break down their latest project, and that is what we are doing today. I sat down with Illa to break down her project, Clearview, and we got into everything. This woman has an incredible story, and I'm so grateful that she shared it with us. We basically break down every single track on the project. We talk about her working with I Am Sue, her featuring her uncle. We also talk about being inspired by Quinn, working with T. Carrier, Cash Campaign, Mo Green, Kuya Beats, being inspired by Usher, just so many things. So let's just hop into it. Hello, Special Delivery. This is Illa, and I'm here today with Special, and we're having a great, great time. <laughs> Yay, Illa's here. How you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm so excited to talk about <laughs> Clearview. Oh my goodness, you already know I'm a big fan of Favor, and Clearview, whew, just, it just tugs at your heartstrings. I want to say that everybody's been through this situation, but I could be wrong, but I'm like, 95% of us have been through this, like, easy you know and that's the crazy part about it is that like unfortunately well i don't think i realized it until probably i would say like i don't know i think we were at the end like i think we were at like the mixing portion of clearview when i was like damn i think this is my first heartbreak like you know every other relationship i think that i got enough time in that relationship to kind of make peace with my tired like just being tired of it and all the drama so it wasn't like I wasn't ready Mm -hmm. with this one I was totally not ready like it was not what I wanted at all it was a mutual decision for the better of the two of us but at the same time neither of us was really better Mm -hmm. after and so it was a lot but I definitely put it all on there <laughs> and so you know I even had to pull some things off because it was just too too personal and yeah. so and it was too soon mm-hmm. you know all of this even happening within the year and then the project kind of being the culmination of the emotion behind it it's like if I put this out there they gonna know they are going to know <laughs> and they gonna look at him and be like bruh <laughs> so I, I I refrained but yeah definitely I mean, we felt it all. Even the stuff that you didn't put, we still kind of felt it. So it's definitely all there. We got to start with the lowercase for all the song titles. Was that on purpose and why? Now that we have like social media and everything is so technological, it's like things are relayed how they're typed. Mm -hmm. And so when things are in caps, it's like you're screaming. Mm -hmm. When things are in lowercase, it's like you're whispering. It's just more reserved Mm -hmm. and throughout this process I've just been very quiet Mm -hmm. I've been very to myself and so for me it was just like I'm telling you but I'm not alerting you nor am I giving it a formal title you know because I'm not gonna I'm not gonna give it that much acknowledgement Mm -hmm. and so I think that's why I really wanted to go with the lowercase Mm -hmm. for these I that actually people didn't understand that there was actually there was something behind that too Mm -hmm. that's tight (laughs) that's dope though like just thinking about it as a form of like power like I'm not even gonna give it this much power to give you fucking capital letters yeah nah yeah (laughs) 
man that's incredible and then before we get into every single track we gotta talk about the photo shoot for the cover art <gasps> i remember you posting those pictures on instagram <laughs> there's so many of them and they're all so dope what they was are. that photo shoot like so that i give a hundred percent of that credit to colin young he is amazing a lot of people are going to be hearing his name very soon he works with a lot of people know taj mm -hmm. taj is a big video director and he's like been right under him and so I like keeping everything close. I go for the underdog. I go for the unsighted talent. I go for all of that. And I've been watching Colin for so long. You know, when I was ready to do the cover, I was like, you know, I want you to do it. And so we went back and forth for a while because the title I had had forever, I knew Clearview was the title. And so we toyed with a lot of, well, I toyed with a lot of ideas. And my mom, you know, she was like, well, maybe you could do something where you have, you know, sunglasses on and you're like tipping them off. And then maybe you could do like a reflection in the sunglasses or like you looking out at the horizon. And so I told Colin, I said, I don't really know what to do. And he was like, well, what's the title? And I said, it's called Clearview. And he was like, well, tell me more about what's going on. And so I kind of explained my whole situation rather than the actual music and he was like all right but um let's shoot on sunday and i think that was probably like a wednesday or a thursday <laughs> right and so i'm like shoot all right cool um i'll be there and so um i think maybe like friday or saturday he was like yo wear all new like you can bring other outfits, but just bring new, like bring a new top, bring bring a new bottom, you know, something that's close to your skin color. And I'm like, all right, cool. And when I walked in, I actually did the photo shoot at Lola where the um, listening party was. Mm -hmm. And when I walked in, we were all the way in the back in that big area where the DJ booth was. And he has a big ass square of plexiglass suspended from like, a, I, I don't want to say the ceiling because they're high ceilings, but it was like in the air. And he has a steamer, like a wardrobe steamer and like a water bottle, a spray bottle of like a hair bottle. And I'm just like, what are you doing? And he was like, oh, just go ahead and get your outfit on and then let me know when you're ready. And so I come out and I walk over and he was like, okay, now stand behind the glass. And I'm like, why has he got me in this foggy shower? <laughs> and so he was like, all right, just look at me real quick. And he takes a test shot and he was like, all right, for sure. And then he was like, now look dead in the camera and wipe your hand clear across the mirror, like in front of your eyes. And I'm like, okay. And as we're doing that, he's going, ch -ch 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 -ch. and he was like, come look at this. And literally like the third shot was the cover. Oh my God. I was like, bruh. <laughs> you like and he was just like I don't know man and he's such a great kid like his vision is ridiculous yes. out of this world like you can tell him three facts about whatever you're doing and he's like all right bet and then he'll just come with it all and so I was so grateful for the listening party we blew up a bunch of the pictures in like 18 by 24s and had them hanging up and I gifted them you know I was like I want you to see your your work on a canvas like on a big thing and he was like damn nobody's ever done this blah 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 and I was like that's what you have coming you know so that I 100% of the credit goes to Colin he for sure he came through with all of that the vision is incredible yeah. like for him to just take it do it so fast and just know that that was it and man yeah before we get into the project too your listening party was incredible the people were not there they <laughs> missed out the whole bay area was in the building it was <laughs> packed it was gorgeous and it was so 
thoughtful. Thank you. The candy bar, the photo, the multiple photo booths, right. the backdrop, like you said, the big 18 by 24 photos, everything about it was so well thought Thank out. You. I was just in awe. You did that. I was like, oh my God, I know her. <laughs> like, this is great. Like, I was so Thank happy. You. It was a labor of love for sure. Like, I don't have a team. So I don't have management. I don't have PR. I don't have pub. I don't have anything. So everything that I do really comes from me. And like, I was just really grateful to have my sisters. They were working the bar. If anybody came to the listening party and had to deal with my little sister at the bar and that attitude, I apologize. She love y'all. Just know <laughs> it's from a place of love, but not nah, literally like my sister, Tiffany, like Tiff and Damo, they came through at the last, the very last hour and just were like what do you need what are we doing and like they killed it and yeah it came out I didn't even know it was gonna look like that like we set up and then I left for makeup and then I came back and was like who shit is yes. this this is kind of tight like it was fun it was definitely what I wanted and I'm I'm really happy with how it came out. so so good now on this project you from favor to now you started producing yes what has that journey been like because that's incredible. Ooh. I'm such a fan. <laughs> it's been fun. You know, I credit my mom with that, like the inspiration to do that. I grew up playing instruments. You know, I was classically trained in percussion. I play piano by ear. My uncle, my uncle K-Max, he, that I followed behind everything he did, like to a T. I joke about it and I will continue to say this, but... He had a ducktail in the back of his head, yeah. so little baby Illa had to have a ducktail in the back of her head. Like, no matter how my hair was, there was a little ducktail hanging out in the back, and my mother despised it, but that's who I was. And so having followed him and making all the music when I was going through struggles, because I was blessed to have Trackademics offer to do the EP with me, and, you know, he fully produced Favor. And after that, there was kind of like a dormant period where it was like, okay, people were looking at me and they wanted to work with me, but I wasn't necessarily in a lane that was being targeted at that point. So people were almost afraid to work with me because it was like jumping off a bridge. Like we don't know a sink or swim with her. And so my mom was just like, you know, why don't you make beats? And I was like, girl, bye. I don't <laughs> want no parts in that. And she was like, no, it can't be that hard. You play the keys. Yeah. You've played the drums all your life. Like, why don't you just try that and see what'll happen? And so I was just like, I don't know. And so I was recording at a studio with my FNF family, Family Not Friends Entertainment, and they had Reason on the desktop there. And I just started experimenting with it. And I was like, it's not hard, you know? And so I literally downloaded Reason on my computer, like the trial version, and sat up for like months and just watched YouTube tutorials on how to do it. I would sit over shoulders. Kuya Beats was very instrumental in helping me find my path in production, whether or not he knew it, you know, even just sitting under him and looking over his shoulder, asking a lot of questions. He was very helpful, never, you know, turned his nose up at me at all. Trackademics, everybody, Drew Banga, a lot of people were around to kind of help me just learn whether or not they knew it. And so once I got it to where I was like, okay, this can kind of work. This isn't bad. And I think that was favor. That was the beat for favor. And favor is like a more, I'm not going to say experimental beat, but it's just not typical R&B. It's more down the line of like a, a house or something. And so 
once I got that, I was like, okay, I can do this. And I just kept going and kept going until I had made enough beats to where I was like, okay, maybe I can actually record on some of these. And then it turned into Clearview. <laughs> yeah. I love that so much. I didn't know your background as far as like being able to play instruments. So it's like, yeah. it all makes perfect sense now. And it's so dope that they were actually able to help you because we get caught in these mindsets of right. like competition or it's a man's game or whatever. Right. And it's like, it really isn't. There's enough room for all of us. And right. like, they're so dope. So to have them help you just like adds to your already dopeness. Exactly. Oh. It was definitely a blessing. Now we gotta walk through the project. <laughs> the intro, Wings. Now the sky is calm, the stars up right. What's better than to be in flight? I relax my mind and be at ease. And let this journey set me free. Set me free. No. Spread my wings. Completely acapella. What was the decision like to kind of bring us in that? When I first started recording, my voice has a very distinct vibrato. Mm -hmm. And I got accused of using the worst versions of autotune at all times. And so when it was time for me to do my first show ever, which was actually when I did For the Love of Music in San Francisco, I decided that I was going to sing acapella first. No track, no nothing, just pure raw voice so that everybody could hear straight up like this is what it is. It's right here on paper. I'm in the middle of a venue. I don't have enough money for auto-tune mic. And I think this was before auto-tune mic. Like Travis Scott and all them made auto-tune mics popping. That This was before <laughs> that. And so that was before I even had a project out. And so that kind of became like my signature. Everybody knew if Ill is doing a show, she's starting with the acapella verse or at least a song. And so when it came time to do the project, I was like, well, let's just piggyback on that. And so the intro to Favor is also an acapella. That was an original song. It was the second song I ever wrote in my life. And so when it came time to do Clearview, a song that kind of resonated with me forever during this process was Spread My Wings by Troop. Mm -hmm. And I listened to it a lot during this whole process. And so I was like, you know what? I'm gonna just do that song. And so I just did the bridge and the hook of that and I, changed it you know a little bit i changed some of the harmonies and stuff to be more of what i would do versus what they did but yeah that was just purely like that's just the thing i do now like it's, it's probably gonna happen on the next project too <laughs> no but it's so interesting to think about as far as like a live performance because it gets people's attention you go to shows and people are all over the place they're at the bar they're talking but when somebody starts singing acapella boom you have our attention the room goes silent yeah so to do that on a project boom you have our attention we're in like we're locked in we're ready to take this yeah. ride with you so. <laughs> yes oh yeah. i love it that leads us to favor nani song who is your niece yes love that song because it's such a good story you think about these girls who people think have everything but 
there's so much more to them. Right. We're, we're women. We're, we're complex. It's not just one thing or the other. And I think your storytelling is so good with that one because even not knowing, like, we follow you on Instagram, so we get to see yeah. her. But even if you don't know her, you can relate to any kind of woman going through that, young, old, whatever. Yeah. What was it like making that one? So, favorite how I explain this song is I'm Illa but I'm Ari and so Favor is Big Ari singing to Little Ari Fat Ari because Ari used to be fat (laughs) and growing up was really really hard Um, I was bullied I was made fun of I was judged you know everybody was like oh she's spoiled oh she's this oh she's out oh her hair this and that she she has good hair she's long hair and but then it was like but you're fat I had eczema and stuff so they were like oh and you're rashy and you're this and you're that and so growing up I used to like honest to God I used to sit up under my mom and like read books like I didn't go do nothing I didn't go outside I knit like I was that kid my mom built a little library in my room so I could sit in my little cubby and just read all the time and so growing up I got sick when I was 16 years old and it caused me to lose an extreme amount of weight in a short amount of time I lost 80 pounds in like four or five weeks and so I literally got that like dream makeover that everybody is like I wish I could just snap my fingers and be skinny and like I literally went from like 210 to like 140 130 in like no time and so I spent a lot of time out of school being sick and so it was mainly because I got transferred to another school in the middle of that so when I went from being big at one school to getting small and then going back to school. It was at a new school. And I walked in and it was like a fresh start. And I got to see the other side of it that I had never experienced in my life. I had never experienced popularity. I had never experienced, you know, thirst from men. Like I had never had any type of play from a man ever. And so it was on me to take it all in the consideration and like remain humble and know that I spent more time as that girl that was getting messed with and picked on and like really just dogged instead of like running with it and becoming like a cocky kind of person and so I am still fat Ari in my mind and I say that all the time like I have little Ari moments all the time I have fat Ari moments all the time there are two characters that my people around me know very well (laughs) and now my niece Nani Sanai she just turned 12 in July and she is now going through that and we're watching her come home and say oh the girls stop talking to me they don't want to be my friend today and they had everybody stop talking to me and they did this and what am I supposed to do and then you see you catch her like looking in the mirror or you'll catch her like doing new things with her hair or she'll call me Auntie Ari can you can you come flatter in my hair can you come do this can you come do that and I'm like okay And I tell them all the time, my sister literally just carried that. That is my child. She literally just carried her for me. (laughs) She reminds me so much of me. And it was at the time over the summer where we were going through that with her that I was like, I want you to listen to something, you know, and you can't listen to it yet. But anytime you feel like you're going through anything, I need you to look, look at me. You look at me and you look at your mom and you're like, damn, they're hella tight. I love how she dresses. I want to be like them when I grow up. And it's like, but just know we were there. We started there, you know, and whenever you feel anything inside of you, listen to that song and think about what you think about us now and know that that's coming. It doesn't stay like this always. And you just have to remain you. You have to remain true to you. That's what my mom says to me every time I walk out the house. Stay true to you and true to your God. And don't ever 
waver from that. And so she was bugging me, bugging me, bugging me. She was like, can I hear my song now? Can I hear my song now? <laughs> and it was really funny because I sent it to her before the project came out. Finally, I was like, okay, shut up. And she's telling her mom and everybody, she's like, well, I got it, but I don't know if I can play it for you yet because it doesn't come out until the 5th. And like my, my sister calls me and was like, why you do this? Why would you, you turn my child into a monster? But yeah, that's what that song came from. That's probably one of the closest songs to me just because I fight for those girls. You know, a lot of people still to this day, they look at me and they expect that this is how I've always been. I know a lot of people. I have a lot of friends. I have a lot of acquaintances. I know a lot of people. And because of that, I'm always talking to somebody. I'm always around somebody. And to the outside person, it may be like, damn, you know, she didn't have to work hard for nothing. She didn't have to do this. And I'm like, boy, if only you knew. I literally carry the pictures of what I used to look like in my phone and be like, nah, look at Fat Ari. That's not what it always was. But yeah, that's what it was about. It was just more so about letting the girls know it's not always going to be like this at all. So important too. like, I think a lot of music is about a legacy and taking what you've learned, no matter what it is. Like, yeah, a lot of the times it is about heartbreak and love and yeah. life and stuff like that. But some of it's really as simple as like being a teenage girl yeah. and how fucking terrible <laughs> it is. Like it's trash. But knowing that it doesn't last forever. Yeah. When you're a teenage girl, you think that this is it. And then you graduate and you're like. <laughs> nah, like, yeah. it doesn't matter right. anymore. It's so, so important. Yeah. That leads us to serious. Oh, Jesus. Baby, I'm kind of playing all these games with you. Lay your hair right next to mine. Let me know what's on your mind. Baby, I'm kind of dealing with these lands and fools. I'm not into wasting so it's an interpolation and is it a sample to of Midnight Star? It's not a sample. Okay, so that it's just was, the interpolation. Yep. Okay, so Midnight Stars, I'm curious. Yes. Just a classic, classic song. Yes. Why did you choose to take that and flip it? First of all, I love the song. Mm -hmm. And so when I first started making beats, the way that I practiced was pure interpolation. Mm -hmm. So it was like, okay, let me just see. I know I play by ear, so let me see if I can pick these songs out and see if I can do them. And that was a song where I was like, oh, I've always listened to this song. I've always heard these chords. I've always felt like they would be really hard for me to play because I'm not trained. Mm -hmm. And so I did it. I picked it out. I played it. I did it. And I was just like, okay, cool. And it was just sitting there. And like I said, I just built up a bunch of beats. And so one day I do a lot of my writing in the car, mm -hmm. super randomly. I do a lot of my writing in the car. It'll just come to me and then I'll be like typing and voice memoing at the same time. And so Sirius came while I was driving in traffic one day. And as I started singing the hook, I was like, this is curious, <laughs> like, <laughs> girl. And I do that often where I'm like, I feel like I've heard this before. And I'm like, damn it, I have. But this one, it actually was serious. And I was like, oh, well, I did that beat. And maybe that's why it's sticking on me so much. And so I brought it back and I did it. I recorded it. And I was like, oh, it actually really works. And I did the beat probably about two years ago. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so it was still very rough. So by the time I had a song for it and came back and recorded it, I was like, oh yeah, no, we are going back in. Now I know what I'm doing. Like we could go back in and really get this beat right. And so I went back in and I like completely reworked it to where it is now. And so 
I'm still learning, but it's better than it was. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's where that that's how that one came about. I love that one. And then the on everything interlude. <laughs> oh <laughs> my god. That's the fan favorite. <laughs> because it's so personal. Like we were talking earlier and you said like, oh, there's some stuff that I cut because it was too personal. Yeah. Like that's pretty damn personal. Yeah. Talk about that as much as you want. I don't know if you want to reveal if it's real or it is real. Oh, it is real. It Damn. is a hundred percent real. Contrary to common belief, it is not a voicemail. It was an actual phone conversation that we were having. Um, it was a forty-five minute phone conversation that was recorded on Reason on my laptop, no formal microphone, sitting in my living room with the MacBook built-in microphone and speakerphone. Um, so. Also, contrary to common belief, and I have to say this because I've been having to defend him, that is not the person that I was dealing with. Okay. <laughs> that is not him. Um, this was BT weekend this year. Um, so June of this year. Um, I was in L.A. I was in my bed. It was six o'clock in the morning. My phone kept ringing and I'm looking. And as I look, I see the name pop up and I'm like, I haven't literally haven't talked to this kid in like three years, wow. four years. Right. And it wasn't even somebody that I was heavily involved with. That was what was so odd to me because we were very connected mentally physically. Nothing like we didn't really do anything. Um, we were never in a relationship never officially a boyfriend girlfriend nothing like that but that mental connection was like crazy mm -hmm. and so um <laughs> the funny part about it that everybody laughs when i say is that he is from east oakland so me being a project of the hood and my ptsd if a male calls me more than one time in a row i get panicked because i feel like something's wrong so i'm like Oh, shit, what if this nigga got shot or something? Like, I'm like, let me answer the phone. So I'm like, what's up? And he's like, all right. And I'm like, boy, it's 7 o'clock in the morning at this point. Like, why are you so awake? What's up? And he's like, I just want to talk to you. Like, I just need to talk to you. You've been on my mind. Like, I've been tripping. I don't know what to do. I want to get back to you. Like, I just need to talk to you. And I'm like, okay, let's talk about this when I wake up. Like, I, I feel you, but it's 7 in the morning. I got home at 5 because it's BET weekend in LA. <laughs> like, give me a minute. And so he's like, no, don't get off the phone. And I'm like, bro, I'm hanging up on you. So I hang up, go back to sleep. couple hours later, calling again. And I'm like, what is going on? And so I had someone stand with me that weekend because everybody was down there for BET weekend. And so when they left, it was just like, okay, I'm like still just moving around the house and stuff, but I'm like, 
it's empty. The phone keep ringing. I'm like, let me just answer it, you know? And I live in a studio in LA, so it's very personal. If I'm having a personal phone call, I'm like, I don't want to take it while there's people here. And so I took the phone call and then I'm just, I had it on speaker because I'm still walking around getting ready and he's just ranting. Like, and I'm like, are you drunk at 10 o'clock, <laughs> 7 o'clock, 8, 9 in the morning? Like, how did this happen? He's like, I swear to God, I'm not drunk. I don't, I don't know. And it's funny because when you listen to it, he does sound slurred, but that's his cadence. Like, that's just how he talks. And so I was like, damn, okay, he's not. Maybe he's on something, but he's not drinking. He does sound like himself. And to protect the innocent, we did, you know, a lot of things to his voice. But I told him straight up, I was like, dude, if you keep playing with me, I'm going to record this conversation and send it to my mom. That's what I said, because <laughs> he knows my mom. And he was like, do it. Do it. Send it to her. I miss her, too. Yes. I'm going to talk to her about some stuff. And I'm like, oh, my God. He was like, matter of fact, what's her number? I was like, hell no. Nah, you're not calling my mama, boy. So... I recorded it and then he literally there was a point in the conversation where he was like record it and play it for whoever fucks you over mm. he was like whoever don't think that this is what it is let them know I don't stop thinking about you I don't do this I don't do that and I'm like this is gold yes, like, <laughs> I'm like okay and so he pretty much yeah he, he gave full permission for it to be played and I just know that his tone his cadence everything about how he speaks is so distinct it's like I'm not even gonna do that to you because if anybody who knows you listens to this I'm gonna be like this fool <laughs> so we did we did a lot in the studio to his voice well just like to the tone and stuff but he gave full permission and he was fully in like he was like let let him know you know what I'm saying? Like when I found out you had a man, I was hurt mm -hmm. and I regretted it. And I heard you don't have one anymore. <laughs> and I was like, who is keeping, who sent you? Like, how do you know these things? Because I literally hadn't talked to him in three or four years. Mm -hmm. And so it, it was a very long conversation. And I was just like, this is wild. And it fit perfectly with the spirit of the project. And so I was just like, yeah, we gotta, we gotta drop this in there somewhere. I gotta do my SoundCloud rapper thing and put a voicemail on the project. <laughs> but the crazy thing about, I won't say all of those, but a lot of those voicemail interludes are contrived. You'll occasionally get one that's completely random, and but yours is even deeper because it's real, but it also like is almost the other side of the project, but it still fits in with the project. Yeah. Like it just really helps the storytelling because when we get into not no more, yeah. if you've been through those situations, you have those voicemails right. of this person just confessing it. And then three days later, you're <laughs> like, wait, I, like I still have this, like what do you, what? Yeah. How did this change? So, wow, that's super, super dope. Yeah. That's crazy. And then of course that leads us to not no more. It hurts. Like, <laughs> it really hurts. And like I said before, I feel like if not all of us, 95% of us, at least women have been through it. I'm sure there's guys out there that have been through it. But just really being tired of being second or third place and just the toll that it takes on you and finally saying, okay, I've given this 
the best that I've can. I've tried. Yeah. I gotta go. Yeah. What was it like making that one? That was uh that was my victory lap. That song took the longest to come together out of the whole project. It was the last song that I finished because honestly the rest of the songs were therapeutic mm -hmm. to get me to the point of the second verse. And I, yeah, I stopped. I wrote first verse, hook, and stopped because I was like, I don't, I don't know how to finish this because I'm not finished, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Like, that song wasn't done because it wasn't a complete chapter. It wasn't closed. So every single word is true. Like, every single word is legitimately a song form of things that I had said towards the end of the relationship. You know, one of the biggest arguments or issues that we had was literally a day where I was like, I swear to God, like, if you ever gave a fuck about me at all, you would need to find some words in you right now to have this conversation because I don't know what to do at this point. And I just got, you know, I don't know what to say and I got to go to work. So we'll talk later. And he left and I sat and I cried and I cried and I cried and I was at his house and I talked to my sister and she was like, take your shit. And I was like, I don't want to do that because I know him. And I know that if he comes back and sees that everything is gone, that to him, is that's going to solidify that this is it. And I don't want it to be it. And it's a bluff call. And I know that's what you're trying to get me to do. But I know him, you know, and I know that that's going to whoop his ass more than anything else. And I don't think I'm ready to do that yet. It's not comeback yet. It's just, it's still a, a tug of war. And so I took a lot. I didn't take everything. I thought I had left the important things that he knew I would never leave, leave without. Like I had, everybody knows I love my gold, all my gold jewelry. I had left a lot of that there. I took my, like some shoes in a bag that I had and stuff like that. But, you know, when I talked to him a day or two later, you know, he did kind of say like, you don't know what that felt like walking into my room and seeing my room like that. And I was like, well, that was the point. And he was like, but it didn't work the way that I know y'all thought it was going to work. Like, it did exactly what I thought it was going to do. And I was like, fuck, this is what I get for listening to my wretched-ass sister. But <laughs> She meant well. Yeah, she did. But, you know, it kind of just also highlighted to me that it's not always about the games. It's not always about the mind games and the one-ups and the, the bluffs and the the who's gonna win and it's it's not always about that it's it's more so a case-by-case -case basis but yeah not no more was definitely all verbatim things that I had said at some point or another in a conversation with him and um yeah that was a tough one the second verse of not no more I could not sing without crying mm -hmm. It took me a long time to just get the verse out of me. And if you hear even, it's it still never got done. Mm -hmm. It still never got recorded without me crying. At the end of, I think I say, my heart's broken, my love's stolen, now I am stuck holding my feelings inside. Tell me how do I even try to move on with life? When I said move on with life, crying tears every night, boy, that. I, you can hear it still on the recording that my voice started with. That's when my voice was wavering and they cut it. Like I, I immediately had to cut that part and then punch and do it again. And I literally had to record that song line by line because I would tear up as I was doing it. And I recorded myself, so I would stop it. And then I would sit and I would like 
have that feeling and I would cry a little bit and I would dry it up. I would go outside and get some air and I would come back in and like try and do it again. And so that one, yeah, not no more was definitely. That's why I said when I finally got to that last line where I was like, you chose your side, but so stay there. Like all I can say is take care at this point. Like I've literally done every single thing that I could do. I feel stupid at how much I've begged and like tried to convince you that this is what I wanted. And if it's not what you want, then I'm not gonna force that. So that was it. That was the victory lap right there. That was where I was like, it's done. Yeah. It's done. That's it's all out. Such a process. Like <sighs> goodness. But so therapeutic, you know what I mean? Like to really just not only write that but record that and even if you have to record it line by line like to get it out there and also to have people really relate to it like yeah. that situation is trash but man <laughs> it happens all the time yeah man then we get to battle Don't you brought me back maybe the way you made me laugh before i knew it my whole world was wrapped up into you somewhere in it something went wrong i still Is there a sample on that one? No. Okay. I was like, something sounds familiar. Yeah, no. Battle, there's no sample. Um, a good friend of mine, Will Mandel, I used to rent a studio with him here in Soma, and he plays guitar, all guitar. Well, he plays everything, but I had been trying to explain to him this song that I was hearing in my head, and I was trying to explain it on the keyboard and play it for him, and then he was like, oh, I think I kind of get it, and then I played what I had made, and he was like, oh, I got it, and so he started playing it, and so he played three or four different guitars and he just ran it like he just played for like three four minutes each guitar and I just recorded him in the booth just playing the guitar and just different versions of the same thing so like a lead of it of the chords then he would play like the highlights and then he would play like other parts and he was just like is that good and I was like that's great <laughs> that's perfect and so once I had all of those components, I chopped it and sequenced it into the beat. So that's why I'm like, it's not a sample, but it is live. It's live guitar played. And I did all of that with it. And the song was done. It was completely acoustic. Mm -hmm. It was just me and the guitar. And I brought Sue in. Uh, I am Sue. He came in. He was like, what's up, man? You got this whole project going and I've not heard anything like you're trash. And so I was like, all right, come on. And he came in the studio and our other friend was there and I played Battle, the fully acoustic version. And both of them were just like, dude, this is hard. It reminds me of like Guapale. Like it reminds me of like that closer type of feeling. But I feel like it needs to like whap. And I was like, Sudan like no it does not like you're taking away from my art like this is my craft like I don't want to make slap right but now you're from the Bay Area right so so he was just like watch out and I was like okay so I get up he sits down and the first thing he does is he just asks that boom 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 and I was like oh shit like this is a clap and like we're all in studio like ah, eh, eh. and so like everybody was like oh shit this is actually cracking like so <laughs> he just was like all right yeah we got it this this has to slap like this has to wipe and so he literally put down like 
four bars worth of drums and was just like, all right, that's it. You got it. And I was like, what? <laughs> like, this is a five and a half minute song, damn near. Like, you just gave me like a two lines of, of drums. And so I just took the drums that he had. And again, like I said, I sequenced them all in. I filled in the parts that he didn't do. There were some breaks that needed to come in. They didn't all need to, it didn't need all web. Like there were some parts that needed to be softer and I filled those in and I, I did that. And so we, yeah, he has co-production on that song. <laughs> yeah. The collaboration is incredible, but also like your workflow, being able to take these little pieces of a guitar and little pieces yeah. of drums and figuring out like, okay, this goes here, it's softer here. Even that's incredible, especially because you basically just started producing yeah. within the last couple of years to be able to take these little things damn it's super impressive and to make this song that really like represents you but also like we said represents barry because it slaps <laughs> i think maybe that's why i thought it was a sample there's the slappingness resonated with me but yeah that's just dope. the drums are very bay to me they remind me of like a mozzie song there's the triangle with the snare like there's literally a drum called a snare triangle where it's a snare and a triangle at the same time and that's a, like a classic staple of like a mozzie like a june beat and so when you hear that you automatically think that and then of course when you hear the 808s it's like trunk womp, womp, womp. that's us all day but i wanted to try and keep the keep the rhythm i guess not even the rhythm, but the drum pattern. Mm -hmm. I wanted to keep it real simple, but real bay. Like I just wanted it to be more representative of what we do rather than what everybody else is doing right now. And so that, yeah, that to me was hella dope. That was super tight. So, so good. That leads us to the second interlude, Legacy. Yes. Of course, that introduces us to your uncle. That introduces us to you rapping. <laughs> <laughs> Open up your eyes, open up your eyes so you can see. And brothers can't peep game on reality, vanity, envy, poverty will make a brother. What was that journey like? <laughs> was it was it something that was like, okay? I'm gonna rap on this project or it just kind of happened was it the beat like what made you go okay I'm gonna rap so like I said I was my uncle's shadow I grew up under him rapping and so he is K-Max his 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 rap name is K-Max and so when I was little they called me A-Max and I used to rap all the time like my first rhyme was like Ari lives on Eddie Street and like they, it's like a running joke in our family like everybody be like oh you ain't you ain't rapping about Eddie Street no more I'm like whatever but <laughs> but on top of everything else that's been going on in my love life. Also, uh, my grandmother got really sick last year, last November. She was having trouble breathing and we ended up taking her into the ER and it just kind of funneled into this huge thing. And it was like, nobody expected it. Nobody thought that it was gonna happen. You know, it was like, oh, she's gonna, you know, they're gonna check her out. She's gonna be home in a few days. It was like three days before Thanksgiving. We were like, oh, she'll be home by Thanksgiving. And it didn't pan out that way. Um, she was, in and out all the way up until like till to this day you know we took her back to the hospital yesterday and um she was moving into a new home at that time and it like it prompted all of us to have to go there with her and so um 
it was her, my mom, my uncle, and myself. And we were all living in this house for the last almost a year now. It's been about nine months. And it's forced all of us to stop and be a family again. And throughout that process, of course, you now have four adults living in a home together. Now I'm an adult. Now, you know, I'm not little Ari anymore. And so there were times where, you know, we would have our differences, have our issues. And that, to me, it's there's literally only four of us. We don't have a big, huge family. It's We're, we're all we got. And so anytime any little thing happens, that fucks me up. Like, it breaks me. And so... About halfway through the project, I was just toying with things, and one of his old songs came on. Um, he did an album called Still Rolling in, like, 95 or something like that. And one of the songs had come on on my shuffle when I was on my way home from the studio one night. And I was like, damn, I forgot how much this slaps. Like, And I was like, you know what? I'm about to do something with this. I'm going to see what I can do with it. And I got to the studio the next day, and I clipped it, sampled it in all the different places that I wanted it to be sampled. Well, I sampled the instrument at the beginning. The beginning of the song is just instruments. And so I sampled that and looped it, and then I played a bass line and a drum over it. But as I got to doing more of it, I was like, during the process, I would talk to him and I would say, like, you know, I put my computer up at my grandma's house and I'd be like, hey, can you help me like with this? Can you like how do I do this? How do I do that? And he would sit over my shoulder and he would help me do stuff. And like more than anything, I just wanted to get him in the studio with me. But because of the state of where my grandma was at, he he didn't really that's his mom. He didn't want to leave her side. And so he literally has dedicated his entire life for the last year almost to being right there with her. And so as I was doing the beat, I was like, okay, I've wanted to do a song with him. I'm gonna do a song with him. And so I went back into the song and I clipped more parts of where, cause he raps, but he also sings. And there are parts towards the end where, you know, he sang the hook and he ad-libbed. So I clipped those parts and I put them in and I'm like, okay, cool. And then as I was sitting there trying to write a song, I was like, this isn't a song. And I was like, this is really my ode to him and what he means and what he means to us and what he means to this family. And I was like, I'm his shadow. I got to rap. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no other way around it. I, there's no other possible way to pay homage to him in, in any other way than to get on this track and spit a fucking 16. And I don't rap like rap because, you know, he grew me up listening to Tribe and Camp Low and and Big and like all this other stuff. So I don't sound like radio rap. I sound like hip hop heads that, you know, everybody's like, ugh, at this point. But I love it, you know, and that's what I grew up on. And so I just thought real hard about it and it came so fast. And it was just, again, legacy is also a journey. It's a song. It was what I was going through. It was what I was dealing with. And it panned out perfectly to where it sounds like we did that song together and that is the sample is the beat that he made in 1995 and it was him singing in 1995 and at the very end I took a full clip of him actually rapping and put it at the very end and to me that was like we did that together as a unit and that's why you know I understood why he wasn't at the listening party and I was not mad at that at all but I wish that he could have been there with me for that but 
that's why you know we facetimed him and i was like he's here you know he's here he's there he's everywhere he's all in this song he's in every note that i've ever played on any of this music it's all from him and so legacy is that that's my old to my uncle that's my guy like if it wasn't for him i wouldn't be me and so yeah that's that's legacy I love that. And it's, just, it's so full circle going from you being his shadow to still being his shadow right. and being able to do that in the music. Like, oh, it's, yeah, it's so good. Yeah. And then has to give. Riding down the highway, listening to Nipsey, trying to figure how to turn these 20s into 50s. Don't want to go back to doing wrong, but it's kind of hard with what's been going on. Yeah. Cast tank on me, still gotta shoot to the feet. Don't know how I'ma make it back. Another example of being <laughs> super relatable, but then another example of real shit. Yeah. Like everything on here is so real. Down to you being on the bridge with your tank on empty. Ooh, that is the truest story I ever told. It's so funny now. I can actually laugh about it, but that day was shitty. No, when it's happening, <laughs> it's the worst. Yeah. We're all here in San Francisco. We're all from San Francisco. And the new place that my grandma was at was in Vallejo. It was across the bridge. And so literally daily, we're going back and forth and back and forth. I still work a nine to five. I Well, technically, let me, it's a 12 to five. I'm going to look dead in the camera and say that because she's <laughs> going to be pissed if I sit up here and try to say I come in at nine o'clock. Hey, Danielle. <laughs> it's Hi, a Danielle. 12 to five. You know, Danielle, yes. Danielle and Big Rich. That's, yep. hey, Danielle, it's a 12 to five. And it's sometimes a one to five. And it's more often than not a two to five. But, you know, we work hard. We do social services in the, in the low income housing projects. And she goes so hard. They go so hard. But we are in there daily. And so, you know, I wake up and I would cut hair in the mornings because I'm still a barber too. Some mornings I would cut hair and then I would come to the office, leave the office, go cut more hair, then maybe go to the studio, then get to the house. And all of that happening all simultaneously, it took a toll. And so, yeah, it was just one day I was leaving from the Sev from Vallejo and I literally was talking to my mom on the phone about what was going on with my grandma and stuff and I was like oh shit I'm on E I need to get off at this exit I'm gonna get off at the first exit and get gas and I was like I was pushing it last night like I just was tripping and so as I'm talking to her I forget to get off the exit and I'm like shit so I'm trying to hurry up and get over on the next exit and I'm like fuck I'm at the Carquinez bridge this is happening and I'm like Jesus, please just let me make it to Crockett. And he was like, yeah, no. Nah. <laughs> so I was on my way to the shop to cut hair and I called my client and I'm telling him, I'm like, yo, I'm stuck on the bridge. He was like, I'm actually coming from Fairfield anyway. I'm going to just stop and get you gas. And I'm like, okay, yeah, wow. just let me know. And in the middle of that, Caltrans pulls up on me. He was like, girl, what are you doing? And I was like, I don't know. It's a little lot. I don't know what's going on. I just want to talk to my mom. And he was like, shh. Let's let's get you some gas. <laughs> then my car has some sort of contraption in it that doesn't let normal gas tanks put gas in it. So oh. he couldn't put the gas in my car. So he literally has to like push me off the bridge with his big Caltrans truck. And we're right there by dead fish. <laughs> he's just like you you got a story little girl i don't know what you got going on but she, he was like you you got some goodness going on for you because i don't know how this happened i'm like i don't know either but i just want to get some gas on and go to shop he was like stop it's good but that yeah it's just been so much like i just really feel like it just was not letting up you know at the time that things were good in my relationship 
I was going through this stuff with my grandma. So it was like, I was so, so grateful to him that he was there for all of it. And he was just my, my shoulder, my rock. You know what I'm saying? Like, I just remember, like, I would just be crying and he would just come and just sit and just lay there and just hold me he'd be watching his football or watching his basketball whatever the hell was going on and I would just be crying and he would just be there and it's like that is what kind of kept me sane so when that left too it was like what the fuck is going on like what am I supposed to be getting what am I supposed to be like I'm at this place in my life now where it's like I don't necessarily look at the world as why is this happening to me, but more so like, what am I supposed to be getting from this? Like, what am I, I don't look at it as as happening on me, but that it's happening for me to pay attention. And so I was just like, I don't get it. I don't understand it. Like what the fuck is going on? Like something has to give bro. Like, and that's literally just all that whole day. I just kept saying, well, something has to give. Like, I can't do this shit. Like, I just don't know what the fuck I'm gonna do. Like we've done stuff in our past that we're not proud of. Like we've done all types of things. And it's like, it's right there. It's right there. And it's like, I don't want to have to do all this shit, but it's like, if I'm struggling with putting gas in my tank and, you know, getting stuff fixed on my car and like helping with the rent and helping with all types of stuff, bills and everything like that, like this is it. And that was like my breaking point. And so I finally got gas. I got to the shop. I cut his hair, finished his haircut. And he's just like, you know, cheer up. And I'm like, I'm, I'm just quiet. I'm just real quiet today. Like I'm broken right now. Like that broke me. And I went to the studio And again, as I was going to the studio, my phone was on shuffle and I was 16 when I got sick. So when I was 16, my uncle gave me four beats. I've never lost track of them. They're still in my Apple Music to this day. And one of those beats came on my shuffle. And it was a skeleton of a beat because he was at that point where he was like, yeah, all right, nigga, you want to sing? All right, for sure. Here, just do do these. Let me tr- let's see what you can do. This. Try this and then we'll see. And I wrote to all of them and he was like, holy shit, you really want to sing and you really want to do this. And that beat came on and. I was like, this is hard. This this is still hard, but it, it just needs some more. It just needs more to it. And I got to figure out how to do that. But there's more to it. And here we go. I'm going back to we doing a song together. Me and my uncle doing a song together. I'm taking his shit and I'm flipping it. And so I got to the studio. I pulled it up. Um, clipped it a little bit and I did a lot of stuff to it. I added some stuff to it. I added synths. I added leads. I added a bass line. I added more drums. I broke it down in parts and I kept the basic skeleton of it. So that's he's co-producer on that beat. And the song came while I was driving. Like I just let that ride, that instrumental, like I just put it on repeat while I was driving and it was literally riding down the freeway. You know what I'm saying? listening to Nipsey, trying to figure out how to turn these 20s into 50s. I got to shoot back to the V. I don't know how I'm going to get back. Like, that's literally what was happening. Like, it was all verbatim, like, exactly how it was going down. And um, the second verse is actually um, a song that I had done before. And I felt like it was right because, again, it was cataloging different points in my life where I felt like that. And so I did that song uh, for some friends of mine. It was a chorus that I did for them, but it really resonated with everybody. And 
I took that, I talked to them and I said, hey, I'm about to use this because it works, you know? This is how I feel. And so as that went, I was like, well, this is crazy. I'm just going to literally catalog every single time that I felt like this in my life. And so the third verse is the first song I ever wrote. It was called Heaven's Door. Oh, wow. Yeah, and I wrote it while I was uh, sitting in an emergency room when I first got sick. I don't even think I was in an emergency room. I think I was in a doctor's visit. Um, I have Crohn's disease. (sighs) And that process was ridiculous. And that's ultimately how I ended up losing all the weight because it's, you know, a stomach issue. And so they were testing me and testing me and testing me and testing me. And it was just, it was wearing me out. I didn't feel good. I was sick. I was losing weight. I was weak. It was hard for me to walk. It was everything. And he gave me those beats and was like, all right, do something. And so, you know, the first song that I wrote is I won't cry no more because I've been through this before and myself I do adore. As I knock on heaven's door, I know it will be hard, but I made it this far. And it was just like, damn, it's still happening, but each verse I felt like was a stronger, it went chronologically the opposite way, but I feel like it was different perspectives of how I felt at each point, at each juncture. And so, yeah, Has to Give was also very close to me because again, if it made me feel like I was able to do something with him, but it was very much so what I felt at that moment. And it's so interesting too, because just as a person living life, you have these moments where it's like something has to give and you have to really like persevere and get through it. Yeah. But to hear like these very detailed stories in each verse, <laughs> like you know what I mean? So very surface level, you could be like, I'm just trying to make it or I'm just trying to get literally from point A to point B, something has to give. But to break it down even deeper to these very intense, biographical stories like it's just even more intense to where it just opens it up to where so many other people can be like damn like I've been through something close to that and you know what I mean just the sheer perseverance it takes to get through all of those situations is so intense yeah that was a good one for me a lot of people um you know, people are so big on like quotables mm-hmm. and stuff now. And I've had a lot of people in the second verse. There's a part that I said it, I wrote it. I thought that it flew under the radar, but apparently it was like really resonating with people. And that was the line, you know, am I walking to the prize or am I running to my end? Mm-hmm. And a lot of people were like, I get it. Like, I get what that means. Like, it's a slow process to the good things, but it's a fast process to the bad things. And I was like, yeah, you know, and that's really just how it is, you know, in every aspect of life, even with this, even with the music, you know, mm-hmm. it's not overnight. It's not happening right now. Everything that's happening takes time. And like, I think that more so, again, like I said, it's all been therapy. And like mantras. Yeah. Really talking <laughs> to yourself. I adore myself. Yeah. Like I've been here before. Like I'm going to make it through. So, so important. And then traveling. Yes. Give you my heart and you tore it apart. Oh, travel across a barren land just to hold your hand You make it sound so sweet, but it's very just sad is not 
not quite the right word, but travel across a barren land just to hold your hand. You make that sound super like cute and sweet, but it's like, <laughs> nah, like I'm really going to walk through some bullshit yeah. just to hold your hand. Like nothing more, nothing less, like just to hold your hand. Yeah. And it's real. When you're in that situation, you go through that thing where it's like, I'll do whatever just to be next to you. Yeah. What was that journey like to make that one? Traveling was co-written by myself and I am Sue. Sue, <laughs> he's a different kind of creature. This fool makes music literally 24 hours a day. So you may wake up in the morning and see that you got a text at like 412 in the morning. And it's like, hey, what do you think about this? And so he had sent me a very, very, very rough version of traveling. It was just piano and him singing. And it was him singing the, f the first verse and the chorus. And he was like, this is you. He was like, I was writing this, but I think you should sing this. Like, I think this is you. And I was like, all right, bet. Like, I'm going to see what I can do. And so I got in the studio and I loaded it up and I just listened to him on repeat. And then I was like, this shit is ridiculous. How did you do that? Like, how did you really write just what I'm feeling, how I feel? And so I told him, I was like, send me what you have. He was like, well, the beat is not done. I was like, send me what you have. We're going to get to work on it. <laughs> and so he sends me over the chords. And um, well, first and foremost, I had to change it to a different key because I don't know how his little angelic falsetto sings those high notes that I can't even see. <laughs> but he was like, we fell in love. And I was like, oh my God, I can't even sing that high. <laughs> and I was like, we fell in love. And I was like, okay, we're going to run this back a little differently. <laughs> I you can't. might have to drop that on the people. Like, I'm, just hit him man, with the rough, just upload it somewhere and be like, oh, it's in the air The now. reference track is for sure dropping. Like, yes. I'm busting that fool out for sure. Like, he's going to be like, bruh. And I'm going to be like, eh, yo bad. <laughs> But um, he was reluctant at first to send it to me because he was like, well, nah, because like when I see it, I just I see it desert and like I don't hear drums on it. And I was like, OK, but I do. And trust me, please, it's going to be good. I promise. And he was like, oh, I don't know. I don't know. And I was like, just let's just let's rock with it for a little while. And so immediately the first thing I did is you know as long as the song comes on it hits a hard bass line it's just a doo -doo. And that's the first thing I did I was like it needs a bass line like it needs a structure that actually tells you where to fall on it and so I added that in and I did all of the instrumentation so it, he laid the chords and then I laid the bass line the synths the leads and then like all of the other stuff and then again I was like hey I need you to come do these drums. <laughs> and then he was like, but I don't want a drums on it. I'm like, I need you to do these drums. <laughs> so he pulled up and he did just like he did the last one. He was like, all right, man, this is, this is it. Because I don't even think this song needs drums. And I was like, you're good. It'll be fine. And so um, I did the same thing. I put the drums all where they were supposed to go. And then I wrote the rest of it. And I wrote the second verse and I wrote the bridge and that all came literally from a post breakup conversation that I had where I actually ended up back over with him and having a conversation about, you know, so what's going to happen? Like, what's what's the deal? Like, what's going on? And it was just like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I can't tell you that we'll never be together again because I don't think that that's going to be what it is. But I don't know why my brain just shut down at this moment. There's too much on me that I don't know how to figure it out. I don't know. I want to get therapy because I don't know what's going on. And 
So, you know, I literally put that on a verse and I was like, tell me, is is there a future for me? Is am I the one you're choosing? You know, like all of that literally came from that conversation. Like I literally left from his house and went to the studio and sat there and I cried for a little while. And then I was like, I got to write a song. And so I put the beat on and I did it. And then. I was like, this, the beat needs to be different here. This is a bridge. And so the bridge was completely composed by me. It just goes right back into the song. But yeah, traveling, definitely. That was a joint effort with me and Sue. And it just fit so perfectly. I had to change a couple <laughs> a couple of the words. It's really funny because he, um, I told you he wrote the first verse. And so there's a part where he said, my idols are my rivals now. And it was from a male perspective, as in saying like, you know, these are people that I used to want to be around and be like, but now these are the people that you are like Compete trying with. to be with. Yeah. And so now I can't even like them anymore. And I was like, well, I want to say my idols cause I don't like these hoes. <laughs> but, and then I was like, oh, these hoes, your side hoes, like, your side hoes is my rivals, fool. So it was just really funny when that one, he was like, you got me out here looking crazy. I didn't say side hoes. And I was like, well, I can't say idols. And it was just fun, though. But, yeah, that was my first time. You know, Sue is one of my close friends, and we've never done music together. Like, like I said, this fool makes music at every time, every hour. And there's been a couple of times where he'll call me at like two in the morning and be like, where are you at? Come to the studio. I need you to do this. And like one of the songs on his last project, um, the song is called Lake Mary. This fool called me at like 2.20 in the morning and was like, I'm at the studio. Can you get here in like 20 minutes? I just need you to do some Ashanti 98 vibes. And I was like, what? <laughs> like, he was like, I need that. I need that O2 Ashanti and Ja Rule. And I was like, oh, my God. All right, I'm on my way. And we did it. But we've actually never formally sat down and like created and built as much as I hate that word. We've never built. And so it was cool. It was great. It felt good to finally do that with him. I mean, you're literally building, though. Like, the yeah. way you make tracks, you're building. <laughs> like. And then the last one, We Out. To me, We Out is such a good representation of just being done with the whole thing. And, like, I'm going to go out. But it's also cool because, to me, it's a nice almost introduction to like the next project yeah. and what's next for you like it's this perfect bridge of that's the end of that we're going out it's a party it's going down and that might just lead us to the whole <laughs> next project and where you go from there yeah it definitely is We out. That was another one. Another one of the beats that I made very early on. Most of the stuff that you'll hear from me that's interpolated is always going to be something that I made very early on because that was how I learned 
the process. I was really big on this one with like, I can't keep doing samples. I want to do more original stuff. And so, but we out, it's just, there's no way we out wasn't going to make the project. And so um, I grew up born and raised in Filmo and Queen is a legend. And so I always, Shock the Party is one of my favorite songs, which is, I believe, a Houdini sample. But still, Shock the Party is Shock the Party. We don't care about them people. <laughs> we love them, but no. Nah. If you're from Filmo, it's Shock the Party, and none of these wannabes want to seize the Quinn. So. Dedicated to the following places. East Coast, Southwest, Midwest, and Deep South. Put the line six, new name in your mouth. Running for the top, sipping on Grand Alizé and Hen. None of these wannabes want to seize the queen and i do it all again none of these wannabes wanna seize the queen tonight i came to turn the function outside in don't be surprised when your baby boo rides with queen i wanted to try and do it because i was trying to experiment with different styles of beats you know because i love so many different types of music it's like i don't want to just be making r&b i don't want to just be making neo soul i don't want to just make you know i like country music maybe one day we're gonna do that but i wanted to know how to do it so that I wasn't a one-trick pony. And so I was like, I got to make some hyphy shit. Like, I got to make some, sh like, some some whap. And so I was like, okay, let me try it with this. And it turned into more of, like, a mob. Like, it's more of, a, like, a real OG Frisco mob song, like RBL, like Quinn, like Mess, you know, real JT. And that's who made that beat was, you know, Shock the Party was JT the bigger figure. And so we out got... <laughs> very, very influenced by my sisters. You actually hear me reference them in the second verse. Shout out to Honey. Shout out to Lil Baby, Damo and Tiff. Um, but I, Honey to my right, Baby to my left, because that's what it always is. And it was literally me being gassed up. That song was written pre- drama. It dropped last year as a single, but it didn't make it on the favor. So I was like, I want to bring it back. A lot of people liked it and it never was formally released. It was just a SoundCloud release. And so um, we out definitely. <laughs> it's also really funny because I don't drink. And so everybody was like, sipping out your cup. Like, <laughs> what are you sipping? And I was like, uh, Sparkling smart water, Whatever duh. <laughs> like, coffee, Dr. Pepper, everybody knows what I like. It does not have anything to do with any alcohol. And so, but yeah, no, We Out is definitely, that's my one. Like, that's where it's just like, you're right. That's why I put it at the very end. There was no other place it could go. It kind of reminds me, the emotion that it played in the project, not the emotion that the song is, but the emotion that it played in the project is like, You Don't Have to Call by Usher. Yes. And like, it was just like, all right, you know, we going out. Like, you know, I got into it. We, it's not working. Fuck it. We finna go out. We, we on to the next. We out. Like, that's it. We out. It's, it's nothing more that needs to be said. And so, yeah, I love We Out. We Out is hyphy. I love how you talk about, like, not wanting to be a one-trick pony, even though you do a bunch of things <laughs> incredibly. But really, too, making an upbeat track like that is so important because there are so many people who love your music and love you as a person and love R&B music, but a lot of these people are DJs and are, you know, part of party scenes. So it's like that you kind of gave them one with that to where yeah. it's like, oh, if you love me, like, you could play this at the party. Right. It really kind of encompasses everything. We out and serious, definitely, because that was the one thing with Favor. Favor didn't have, like, a party song. It didn't have something that could get played in the club or on the radio. I remember everybody loved, I remember. But like I said, at that time, 
that wasn't even open yet. I'm so grateful for LMA and Boot Up because now there's another platform for it again. Like for all of us that have been doing this, like now it's like, okay, everybody's kind of moving back towards that. But I remember it was just a smidge before his time. This one, I definitely wanted to do that where it was like, okay, for sure. We're going to make sure that this is something that gets put on the radio. And like I said, serious too. And then Lil Duval just completely whooped me because <laughs> it's funny though because when I'm at the club or stuff and I hear Sirius get played it gets mixed into the smile song by Lil Duval and so it's kind of tight that it flows like that but I was just I was cracking up I was literally I think I just told my mom that yesterday because the song came on um we were leaving the hospital and she was like yeah we we're, we're upset with him because he 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 stole your shine and I'm like well yeah no nah, but I was like I literally heard the song on someone's Instagram and was like, what is this? Mm-hmm. And they were like, it's Lil Duval. And I was like, the comedian? For real. When is this? Where, how old is this? When did this come out? They was like, this shit slap. It just came out. And I'm like, yep. I dropped serious last week, y'all. I can't catch a break. Something has to get played. <laughs> and so I was just like, I can't do it. But yeah, it's kind of tight because it piggybacks on it now. So whereas it was like a problem at first and I was like, damn, that's crazy. People are going to think I bit his song and this and that. People are actually starting to become more inclined to want to play serious because it mixes right into that. Yeah. So it kind of worked. It was kind of like an alley-oop. I'm not mad. Shout out to all. <laughs> you put me on by accident. <laughs> it worked out. Right. <laughs> and then anything else you want to tell the people about Clearview? I did have, there is one more song on Clearview that we didn't talk about, which what I was I very grateful Fold. You're right. I'm I'm not Fold. good with the freaky <laughs> shit. Neither am <laughs> Think I said too much. This the kind of love make you believe in luck. Got me begging for it. I can't get enough. I think I'm losing my mind. God, that was so funny. It was so funny because I, I said that at the listening party. So Cash Campaign helped me write the second verse of that song just because I hit a mental block because I was like... Uh, I don't know how to talk about these things. <laughs> like, I've always been that girl. I'm not good at dirty talk. I'm not good at any of that stuff. Like, I'm just like, hey, what's up? <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know how to do all of that. And it's just funny. And so my mom actually got really mad at me at the listening party. She was like, don't you ever tell anyone out loud again that you are not nasty because that is not, don't you do that. And I was like, all right. <laughs> and I was like, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to. She was like, I don't you do that again. Of all the things your mom to yell at you about. <laughs> I'm saying, like, I was like, Joe, girl. But I mean, she had a good point. It was, just, you know, you don't ever want anybody to think like, oh, she says she doesn't, she's not this. And then it's like, oh, I'm not going to do that. And so it was funny, but it's in context. I'm not able to freely speak of those things to me. I don't like, I just don't like talking about it. I'm like a prude. And so I'd be like, shut up, stop it. <laughs> like I start blushing and getting all stupid and giggling and shit. But T. Carrier, he has been such a, like a rock through this. Anything that I needed at any point, I'm sending it to him. I'm talking to him. Him and uh, Mo Green. Mo Green <laughs> I gave Mo Green executive producer credit on this project. <laughs> he knew all the songs at the listening party. Everybody was like, hey, you know the songs already. He was like, I do. <laughs> well, all three of them are super fucking talented. Definitely. So that's another group of people who you were able to work with who are just so talented that it's like, oh, this is, this is great. Yeah, 100%. And T was just like, you know, 
anything that I can do at any point in this process to help you. Like, I want to help you and I don't want to man it up. That was the craziest part about it is like he vocalized. I don't want to do what men do, which is, you know, mansplain and like take it over and tell you this and that. Like, I don't want to do that. I want to add to your craft. I want to elevate your craft in any kind of way that I can. So whatever you need from me, I'm here. And that I more than anything anybody else could have said to me throughout the whole entire process. The fact that he stood on that and like he recognized it and he acknowledged it and he was and he did it. You know, he didn't retract that statement. He literally followed through. And so he sent me a couple beats and Fold just resonated with me. And initially, I wanted to come out with Clearview being 100% produced by me. I didn't want any help because I just had a chip on my shoulder and I had a point to prove. It's like, y'all didn't want to fuck with me. So guess what? This is what I can do by myself. Be afraid. And so I was like, so that for so long that it was like when he came in it was literally like he just like pushed me and it's like all that just cracked and I was like okay never mind <laughs> what are we gonna do now so he was like take these take these let me know if you can't do nothing with them I'm not mad if you can and I got to fold and immediately heard the hook like the hook came it's like I must have played fold like maybe once full through and by the second or third time I was playing it the hook was already there and so um I had I was out of the studio for a couple of days with my family and then when I got back I had all the voice memos of everything that I had done in the car to it and so I just put it down and how I am if I am doing a song to someone's beat before I get too far into it, I will send them a rough bounce and be like, what do you think? Because I also wanted to reflect you. And that is something that Kuya Beats tried to explain to me so many years ago that I did not understand until I was a producer. He used to get so mad because I would do the songs without him being able to be there and he would do the beats. And I didn't understand it. Yeah. I didn't understand it until now. And so now I'm like, I get it. A producer is not just somebody that makes beats. A producer is actually instrumental in crafting the song and structuring the song with you and so I sent it to T after I did like the first verse and the hook and I sent it to him and he was like yo wow and I was like okay cool I'm gonna keep going and then I sat down and I was like for sure okay second verse <laughs> second verse where are you like and I was like I know how to get like I go to first base I cannot get to second base on this song so I was like shit I can't do this and so I just kind of put it away and I kept working on other stuff and then Cam Cash Campaign he also one day he hit me and was like same thing he was like you have been a hermit in this studio nobody's seen you but everybody's known you've been in there you have a bunch of music you're not letting us hear what's up so I was like okay so he pulled up to the studio and I just started playing him stuff and he was like where's that beat that T did for you and I was like oh yeah let me play that for you and then I was like yeah man I'm just I'm like I'm stuck you know I don't really know what to do with it he was like girl put it on a loop I was like oh, okay so like f I promise you it couldn't have been more than like 10 minutes he was like you want me to record the reference for you and I was like you're done and he was like yeah and so he recorded the reference and I was like damn this is tight okay and so you know I recorded the second verse over and then I did write the bridge and all that so 
I finished the song, I sent it to T, and he was just like, yo, this is it, this is it. I didn't expect this from that. And I was like, yeah, that's kind of tight, me neither. But yeah, so that song was done with the two of them, and that was a blessing, definitely, because I didn't want to accept the help just from being jaded, you know? And I highly advise everybody not to get bitter and not to get upset and frustrated to the point where you literally as much as I hate this phrase because it's so cliche but you block your blessings Mm -hmm. and like I could have just really held it and been like nah I'm good this one is all me but that song really it was a good song and it came out very well and so I'm very grateful that he was there for that it definitely fits the project too like you you get a sense of this back and forth when it gets to polar it's like oh oh man but we went back we all do it right (laughs) but but even even though i said like i'm not good to the freaky stuff it's still such a good song and it fits the project and my bad for skipping over no you're good you're good (laughs) anything else you want to tell the people about clearview Clearview is, it's me. It's my baby. It's everything I could have not imagined that I would have been able to say because I was at a place where I was so broken and so desolate. Like, I just didn't think it was going to be okay. I didn't think anything was going to get better. I can honestly say because of everything that was going on around me, I was able to understand a lot of concepts that I wasn't able to necessarily grasp before in my life. Like I will start first and foremost, I will also look into the camera when I'm saying this by saying at no point in the making of any of this or at any point in my life have I ever felt like I wanted to take my own life. However, I also was one of the people in the world that had a very concrete view and judgment of people that did. And I was definitely one of those people who felt like, you know, how could you do that to the people that you love and this and that, but going through all of these things at the same time, like literally just boom, boom, boom. It's like, it was one day I just woke up and I said, I see how people get to this point. And I never felt it, I never wanted to do it, but I really feel like, like I said earlier, You have to take a step back and kind of out of body experience yourself and your life. And you have to be able to look at it objectively and step and see what is happening. Why is it happening? And what can I take from it? What positivity can I take from it? And there is a strength in me that I never, ever, ever would have been able to tap into or even know that I had had I not been driven to the edge. And I'm grateful, you know, for everything that's happened over the last year and a half. I'm not happy that my grandma's sick. I'm not happy that I'm not in the relationship that I thought I was going to be in. I'm not happy that, you know, our family is going through what we're going through. I'm not happy that, you know, all that stuff is happening. But by that same token, I can definitely look back and say that everything had to happen to force a reaction and with those reactions there was a product and the product didn't always have to be necessarily tangible but it could have just been something in me that I needed to know about myself or something that my mom needed to know or my uncle needed to know or my grandma or even him you know it there was always something that had to be from what was happening and so Clearview is just the sonic translation of all of that it's just the up and the down the the crying and the happiness and the sadness and all of it you know it's it's every portion of 
every emotion that I had throughout that time. It was a whole different project. I was working on a whole different EP when all this stuff happened and I literally put it all in a folder and started over. And this all took place from April. And I told myself, I'm putting this project out on my birthday. I gotta get it done by my birthday. And I don't think it'll be hard, but I gotta do this for me because I need to stand up and prove to myself that none of this is gonna break me. And so I got it out and I got it done. And I couldn't believe it. <laughs> I could not believe that it was done when I was looking at it. And I was just like, this is crazy. But you have to push yourself to that point to know that you can do it. And then only then will the universe start to open up and everything that you ever wanted or needed or desired will then begin to avail itself to you and you will manifest even things that you had no idea were within you and that is what Clearview is like I said the sonic embodiment of all of that and so these are things that I just never would have imagined would be happening from me that is my clear view. Now that it is all over, that is my very clear view. Quotables in the music, quotables <laughs> in the podcast. Like, we just went to church. Goodness gracious. But it's, it's part of life. Yeah. Like, you talk about how you wanted to produce it all yourself and we do that to ourselves all the time like we get so stubborn and stuck in our ways like no i'm doing it like this i'm doing it like this and it doesn't come from a good place it yeah. comes from a very stubborn like you said petty jaded place right. but once you open yourself up boom there it is and like just the amount of empathy that you gained just by going through something but not only you going through it and like feeling things yourself and learning things yourself but for you to share it with all of us is just unbelievable and just to give that to us is just such a good gift so thank you thank you you're very welcome i hope that it helps every single person that it's supposed to i feel like that's what i'm here for i've always felt like that i've always been a helper i've always been a little justice ranger i've always wanted everybody to be happy and everybody to be good and like even if that means putting myself out there as a sacrifice, like my, you know, my privacy, I'm sacrificing my privacy to let you know that you're not alone. And so that's all I want. I want the music to touch the ears that it's supposed to touch and heal the hearts that it's supposed to heal, if it can. You did it. Thank you. <laughs> Yay. Thank you so much. So fun. Yay. You're very welcome. And thank you so much for checking out this episode of the Special Delivery Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure to hit that follow or subscribe button on whatever you're listening on. Got a lot more episodes coming up. And then reach out to me. Let me know what your favorite part was or just say hello. I'm on Twitter at Special Says and on Instagram it's at Special Says as well. And this time we're going to do something different. This episode is definitely dedicated to Illa's grandma and her family.